Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Uh, we're coming to you after Arsenal 0, Liverpool 3 at the Emirates. Um, just just a really lovely time to get a 3-0 win on a Saturday night after you've watched um, Chelsea get smashed and watched uh, Leicester lose and the door opens for this Liverpool side and for the first time in ages we actually managed to walk through it and to just just say nice things about Liverpool for maybe an hour. Um I've got I've got um Andy Bell in are you you're you're in Belfast banger? No, it's still Liverpool just oh, until still Thursday. Liverpool. Yeah, um so lovely weather over here today and yeah it was just really nice to it's nice to come on a podcast and like actually have different things to say rather than the constant <laughs> basically the same performance six times in a row at Anfield. So, yeah, it's nice. And I was out today. My balding head got a bit sunburnt. But, um, you know, when that's happening, then things are looking up. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this. Good, yes. Um, I've also got uh, Dave Caron in Brazil. Dave, are you well? Are you happy? Liverpool won, Ulster won. Yeah, Ulster, I think, I think I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm unhappy about, my stream went down in sort of 70 minutes, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> Otherwise, oh. you still probably wouldn't be starting. But through to the next round, yeah, it's been a it's been a great weekend, all, all told. It's been a, a, a take a Carl, Carl Frampton out of it. And, yeah, pretty good weekend. Yeah, that was disappointing. But you know, you can't you can't have everything in life, isn't that right, Chief? Neil Parsons also with us in Berlin. That's absolutely right. I mean, it would be nice, but um, sure you'd end up getting spoiled and not appreciate anything then. Um, so yeah, it's great, uh, great to be spoiled by the Reds this weekend, um, and be in, be in a good mood for once doing, doing one of these and not having to cheer ourselves up. So yeah. I look forward to it. Absolutely. So Chief, just, just to kick us off then, um, you know, you're right in what you say. If, if you didn't have the shit times, we wouldn't appreciate the good times. And I think we all appreciated that result and probably more so that performance on Saturday night than, than we have done uh, maybe performances like that in the past and I think yes Arsenal were far from at their best it, I don't think it would be unfair to say that they were poor um, but we were on it from the get go I think um, just gobbling up loose balls in the middle of the park the midfield three worked their absolute socks off, um, give Arsenal no time to breathe and just suffocated them and then what we had was the ability to create really good chances and then the firepower from the bench just to say, okay, it hasn't happened so far, but we're not going to panic. Just send the wee Portuguese on and he'll he'll sort it out and bang, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 and it's game over and it's three points and we're we're rocking down, we're rocking back up to back up to Liverpool, two points outside the top four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's, it was just a top, top quality performance really from, from start to finish. Liverpool imposed themselves on the game probably from, I don't know, 10 minutes in, uh, where we really started to get a grip of things and, you know, Fabinho playing there in the six and, and the access with Thiago. Um, it just, just allows us to really pen teams in and Arsenal had no way out and, you know, I don't know. How, I don't know how much of it was 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 caution on their part and trying to sit in and 
trying to, to maybe do what other teams have had a little bit of success with uh, this season against us or and, and how much was just us denying them the passing lanes and and, and um and the time on the ball to to get out and to find an out ball. Um certainly they didn't they didn't really threaten at all. Um and yeah, I mean of course what's in the game there obviously there's a little bit of if not not anxiety, but there's always that little nag at the back of your mind going, Okay, but you know, we need a goal here but um we did begin to carve out clearer and clearer cut chances, and actually we should have scored before we did. Probably, probably a couple of times. Milner has a very good chance in the first half, um, which I don't think anyone can believe goes goes wide when it does. Um, <clears throat> and that it's you know you began to see an accumulation and, and a, an improvement in the quality of chance kind of as as time went on, and it was the same in the second half really, and and. Klopp makes the change, um, as you referenced there, brings on Jota, takes off, takes off Andy Robbo, who, and, and we were chatting about this pre-pod. I think it was was um, pre preordained to, certainly to bring off um, off um, Andy Robbo, and we were debating whether it would, would have been Jota or not, depending on the scoreline. But but I, I have a feeling it would have been. I, I don't think you could really have left him out, um, given. Given his recent performances and his, you know, his freshness, I think he was probably just on the bench because he'd had the the three games with Portugal. Um, but yeah, that that gave us the wee boost that we needed. Um, James Miller goes to left back, and I think within two or three minutes, Jota scores one of his first touches, and we just go on from there. That gives us the confidence, frees us up mentally, and we begin to to, to cut them to shreds. Really, I mean. We begin to play in behind. We begin to play between the lines. Salah has has um, he has a good chance. I don't know before the goal or after the goal. Obviously, we had chances at the end. Obviously, we score. Salah's goal is is sumptuous. I think Jota's goal is brilliant. The Trent cross is class. I think we'll come on and talk about Trent specifically as we as, as we go on with the podcast. But the, Jota's the catalyst, and um, you know the Trent ball is is wonderful. The header's great. Salah's goal. It's 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 a nice ball from Fabinho because he just puts it in behind. It's not it's not inch perfect. It's not to fit not to feet. But Salah's making the run and the ball's just dropped in there. And Gabriel makes a bit of a mess of it. Salah does really well and it's a fabulous fabulous finish. Um, but I think the third goal in a way is my favourite. Like because it's because of the hunger because of the way Jota just nicks it off Manny and smashes it in. You can just see that he's he's desperate for success. And he's desperate to do well. He's desperate to score goals in a in a red shirt or in a bizarrely kind of I don't know turquoisey coloured shirt, um, <clears throat> but still with the right badge on it. So yeah, um, it, it's, it's it's a consummate performance. We don't often go to the Emirates and, and win three uh, nil. I don't think we've done it before actually. We um, we don't tend to do well. At the Emirates, it's not a happy hunting ground for us. Quite a few draws in recent times, and certainly a few defeats in in years gone by. So, first game back after a break as well, and we'd all been talking. Everyone, not just us, but everyone in, in the fan base, was saying how much they felt that this break could do us good, and how we really could and should hit the ground running against against Arsenal. And to go and do it in in, in such a fashion is is very pleasing. 
Yeah, 100%. You're, you're absolutely right um, when you say that it's not been a happy hunting ground for us. And, you know, ever since Arsenal moved to that stadium, and, and probably from when they were at Highbury as well, you know, it was never in a way I looked forward to. No matter how dominant we have been an R against Arsenal at Anfield over the last probably, you know, it's coming up 10 years now, you would say. Um, it's always difficult going there. And if we win, if we win, it's usually by the odd goal, Dave. But, you know, it's absolutely dominant. Like, it's it's proper, it's proper a lesson we hand out to them. But I'm just, I'm interested in your thoughts. You know, how much of that was down to them being pretty poor and abject on the day and how but and how much of it was down to us just really stepping it up a level and knowing what we're doing uh, Dave I don't know as you say it's a place we normally sometimes get a result but it's a hard fought result this one, there was no fighting in this there was no fighting the, in my opinion there was no fight in the Arsenal team I thought our performance first half was not particularly good wasn't particularly bad but but considering Arsenal were offering absolutely nothing you know they had Lacazette and Obama Yang playing in their own half and you know we we were we looked like we looked like last season we were defending the halfway line um you know especially to, especially towards the end that they were completely and already locked in but they were like that the whole game they were set up like that and the only really couple of flashes but nothing nothing that would even worry you um I just think that they were incredibly poor but that's what you need sometimes, Dave, to get yourself playing. And that's what we did in the second half. And we come out all guns blazing, fists flying. And and we, we took a game by the scruff of the neck. And, and at the end, you know, like there was a couple of crazy misses at the end between Manny and Salah. <laughs> and, you know, when you're 3-0 up, it's, it's okay to laugh at those things. And you hide to miss those. But those are the frustrations that we've been having with the team because they, they weren't going in. We didn't have those cushions. You know, we were fortunate. Salah's goal is, I don't have words for it, Dave. Um, and you know, doesn't doesn't matter how bad Arsenal were. That was quality. The goals were quality, regardless of how bad they were. And you know, at the end of the day, they presented themselves as an object to move, as as many teams do um, in the Premier League against us. They presented themselves as an object to break down. And in the second half, it took us to the second half, but but we broke them down. The signs were good in the first half. You know, there was chances missed, but I think we're just so exasperated at the moment, of the run that we've come off. And, you know, before we were sitting 1-0 down in the game with 90 minutes, gone knowing we were going to win it 2-1, you know, because this team overcame everything. And we had to go full circle on that. And I think we're, at the moment we're just trying to build our confidence back up again. You know, it's been pretty good the last few games. You know, we're still in Europe. There, there's still stuff on the table for us to play for. But I thought Arsenal, I thought Arsenal were piss. Honestly, pure piss. Um... And I'm really surprised at Arteta. Like, I really am. Um, I'm surprised he didn't have any more invention than that. This was, it was dire, dire football from them. They offered absolutely nothing for 90 minutes and they got the reward, Dave. That's, that, that's the way I see it. Yeah, <laughs> damning indictments on Arsenal there from Dave Karen. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think they're shite. They're just shite. <laughs> Stop it. I've been saying Arteta's been great for ages. He, he, he looks like he's going to prove me right sometimes. And then, then you, you, you have examples like, like Saturday that make me look like a cockhead, like it often happens. I, well, I'm, Dave, I'm, I'm with you to agree on Arteta. I think, I think he needs time, but he does need better players. Like, let's be honest. 
Well, we'll 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 see and not worry too much at the minute about um, the prosperity of, of Mr. Arteta. Um, Andy, Dave touched on on the line that we had and how we, for large portions of the game, we played a game of football in one half and it was their half. And you know, it, it's interesting. We all know that Phillips' limitation is is pace. Um, we're not a hundred. <laughs> you're certainly not a hundred percent sold on Kabak yet, <laughs> but but um, there. I don't know. There looked to me like there was just a like the players had confidence in one another to go out and play their natural game. Do not do not compromise. Do not compromise five yards. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Do not do not. To not be brave and not be bold, um, because they were all of those things. Um, and Dave, Dave's absolutely right. Like I said, and and I think the the, the average positions came up um, at halftime on on, this, on on Sky, and it showed that basically everyone, but maybe Pepe, um, who was just over the halfway line of Arsenal's players' average positions, was in their own half. So I don't know. Is, is that down to the continuity of the team? Is it down to Fabinho being back in there? Is it just down to the general work rate and ability of the midfield to, to protect the centre halves and the confidence that they're going to do it? Yeah, I'd love to see Nat Phillips' average position and how much that run down the right wing actually skewed it. I mean, that was mad, wasn't it? Um, that was hilarious. I was, I heard sling one into the box, Beckham is. Yeah. I heard somebody say, like, um, oh, what did you expect to happen when, when he picked up the ball in the right wing? And the answer is exactly what happened. It's just absolutely twat the ball across the ball. It actually wasn't a bad cross. If somebody's run on to that, maybe it could have been uh, the moment of the season. But, yeah, I mean, on your on your question, like, Arsenal, of course, yeah, it was complete domination from start to finish. But, you know, you're looking at Arsenal there and you've got Aubameyang, who's been... Uh, I think could be wrong in this, but I think he's been joint top scorer in the league for the last two seasons in a row. You've Lacazette who costs fifty million and uh, you know hasn't quite lived up to expectations of of how brilliant a player he supposedly was four or five years ago in uh, in Ligue 1. But he's he's by all accounts done quite well this season, and he's actually been favoured in that central role. And and you've got Pepe who, similar to Lacazette, has done pretty much uh, pretty much nothing all year, but he still costs seventy two million. So it's not like I remember, I, did we used to always get Arsenal at the start of the season? And Wenger always had this thing where if there was a major tournament, he'd give them a certain amount of time off every time. So we'd always end up playing their reserves. Um, I, I seem to remember that happening a couple of times, but I mean, it wasn't that yesterday um, or Saturday night for anyone listening uh, later on. Like it was, uh, it was a full strength Arsenal team. There was internationals throughout it and, uh, and they didn't get a kick. Uh, they hardly touched the ball all game. It was, it was incredible domination from Liverpool. It was domination, which, you know, I've only really seen from a Liverpool side at, at peak Klopp last season. And um, when we just had complete and utter control over games and teams didn't even bother to attack because I thought, what's the point? It's going to come straight back to us and we might as well get ourselves in, in some sort of a shape here where we can frustrate them. And they didn't even do that, really. Um, Quebec and, and Phillips, I thought, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I haven't been 100% sold on Quebec. But what I did sit here in January in this podcast and say was we need somebody who, you know, I was watching Reese Williams at the time who 
you know, wasn't uh, wasn't quick enough. And Nat Phillips at the time, I didn't feel he was good enough on the ball. I think he's massively improved that part of his game. But what I said was literally just get anyone in for a stopgap six months. Um, somebody who can run and somebody who can pass it. They don't even have to be a particularly great centre half. And Quebec fits that, you know, fits that bill for me. I've still, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it on a later podcast, maybe towards the end of the podcast. I'm still not sure I'd sign him. Uh, I think I'd signed a really good fella from Leipzig instead. Uh, I think you're maybe the same as well. But yeah, from what he's doing right now, I think both of them are 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 doing pretty well. Neither of them had like particularly much to do. I feel like Phillips is targeted a bit more, and um, because of the kind of narrative around him. But you know, Quebec, there's one instance when uh, I think it's Phillips and Allison are in a bit of a muddle, and he just comes out and and and, and deals with the situation perfectly and, and picks a pass, and you know. I'd say they're both doing well, but they're both very, very well protected. And I think Fabinho in that midfield, not only is he, is he doing the thing where, you know, he can, he's got the legs to basically, you know, press and do all the things that, that Jurgen Klopp wants from a midfielder. Uh, but he's also the best number six in the world. He also gives you the best protection. Uh, there's no player in the world that gives a defensive protection like Fabinho does, in my opinion, uh, when he's at his best. And, you know, he's, he's thundering into tackles. He's, he, he's playing a bit like Thiago, but he's just got that, bit more than Thiago in the sense that you know he's he, he nicks the tackle more often than not and he's got the he quality the it's, those big, it's, 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 it's those big telescopic legs isn't it yeah it just gives him that little bit of extra reach but um, do you not think like Thiago was he was trying to almost imitate Fabinho and that was part of his downfall for a lot of the time he was playing for us there do, do you not do, Andy Andy do you not think that Thiago sort of tempered it a wee bit recently yeah, massively. He was flying in for a stage. He was massively, but, but stage. like when I think when Fabinho first came to Liverpool he, and he, when he wasn't getting he, games, like Fabinho was looking like Thiago at times, where every tackle seemed like a minute too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's maybe taken a maybe taken a, a little while to to perhaps get right up to the pace. But to be fair, he's just been asked to play a game that wasn't his for most of the season. So yes. he's been bought to play beside Fabinho. So now that they are I think it's interesting, Chief. It, it's interesting, Chief, just on, it, it's interesting, Chief, just on this, that uh, if you remember Fabinho's... Oh, he, he, he plays at Arsenal, plays at the Emirates, um, one of his first games. And this is a fair, it's a couple of months into the season, and he is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he's had a couple of good games by then, and then and then he has a, a nightmare, and then you don't see him for like three months. Yeah. Then. So I think I think it goes under the radar how well that Thiago has done to adapt to this so side so quickly, and also if you throw in the consideration of as what you said that. Um, it's he's been asked to do a, a variety of different jobs, a variety of different roles, and not many of them his absolute niche. We know we can do a whole pile of different things, but not his absolute niche. But what we had in contrast to everything I've just said is with Fabinho, who is it's it's hard to argue that he's not the best number six in the world. Um, and then what you get is you get Fabinho or you get Thiago doing. All of those wonderful Thiago things that we bought him for, um, such as the lovely little pass that Fabinho tries often um, in the Salah for for his goal, and that midfield, Andy's right, it it just provides so much security and so much protection because they're 
everywhere. And we know when Alden comes on and gives you exactly what Milner did. But I think we talked about this before. We can look at the two centre halves, and the two centre halves are what they are. But I think if you can get that midfield functioning, do the way that they can, you can almost offset that massive gulf in quality that, that the back two currently have at the moment in comparison to the, the real elite sides. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it, it, it is, it's, you know, every, every it, you always have to cover up your weak spots when you have them. And not every, you know, not every, it's not always that you can put out 11, you know, top players in every position. And at this point, we, you know, we do have a center back pair in that, um, it could, could potentially be vulnerable. Uh, having said that, they've, you know, they've done massively well in the last four games. I think it's four clean sheets in a row when they've played together. They are getting a lot, a lot of protection, but they're doing the basics well and they're fitting into the system. You know, it's functioning. It's working for them. So you can try and protect, um, weak links and cover for things, but that can leave you short in other areas and that can, can, can lead to a breakdown in other areas. You know, that, that, Analogy where you plug one leak and you spring another one somewhere else. So it's not a given that, that, that just by trying to cover them, you're able to. So they're playing their part as well is what really what I'm trying to say. And, um, Nat Phillips has done much, much better than, than expected. Uh, I think for everyone, but certainly for me, um, Kabak, I think. Looks decent. Uh, I think looks good actually, uh, for, for the age and for the profile and for the money. And I've been impressed with his, um, with his cool head, given that he's basically been chucked into, uh, into, uh, into a burning fucking dustbin, basically. <laughs> and given that the situation we were in in January when he signs, what the club go is going through, um, what's happening on the field, off the field. You know, in personal lives, in, you know, in professional lives, it, it's, it's a nightmare and he's, he's chucked in and, and has to deal with it and he's, he's done really well. Um, so yeah, it, it's working. The system is working to cover, cover up for potential frailties, but, but the two lads are, are taking a chance and, and, you know, they, they deserve to be where they are at the moment. And thankfully they are taking a chance and, and they are stepping up because we'd be, we'd be stuck without it. Yeah, it's it's really encouraging, Dave. And we've talked before about the importance of continuity and the fact that we've had 862 different centre-half partnerships play this season. But finally, we have a bit of continuity and consistency in the 11 that we're seeing and actually options from the bench. So, you know, do you see this as a platform? that we can actually go on and be a bit more Liverpool than we have been all season. Because we've seen these false dawns before, the likes of Spurs away, where we thought we're, you know, we beat Spurs and West Ham away convincingly, both back-to-back. Um, and then we fall off the cliff again. But is there something different about this, given the fact that you can, you can pick the 11 pretty much, bar one or two, Whereas beforehand, that was just not the case. It was the fucking lottery who was going to start in any given game. 
Well, Dave, to be fair, the lottery was, uh, there's not an awful lot he could have done. You know, in hindsight, we're, we're, we're through the, we're through not the worst of it, but we're through a brave bit of it. The, the, the players have come back. We've got Jada back. We're, we're looking at a different world. And you're talking about what's different. And I, I don't know if this is real, but it's certainly my hope from here on in. And, you know, even in the worst of times, you know, whenever we blew top fours and things like that, from this time of the year, April, May, we always came good. Even before Klopp, I'm talking about, you know, it was something about Liverpool Football Club. We, we, we got better in these months. We always seem to close a season better. Now, we've had a topsy-turvy season, but so has everyone. And I think the constant that might be for this season is we know now what th- this team knows what's in front of them. They have the the personnel at this moment in time available. There's no reason why we can't put an assault on the top four, and there's no reason why we can't. Put, I, I, I put in the group earlier on, I was looking at our, our our rivals for this spot, and they all end up playing each other somewhere down the line. So, you know, Leicester plays, like all of them. You know what I mean? So there's points to be dropped there, and we have an, a quite a favourable run in Bar United. And if we get that head of steam up, and that head of steam has to come back, because that's what we're about. That's what next season has to be about. It's about the head of steam like it's been for the three seasons previous. That's what needs to happen, and it needs to start now. They've already built the platform. There's the, the, there's the beginnings of a foundation stone to launch, or a launch pad, whatever way you want to, whatever terminology you want to use for it. It exists at this moment in time. And I think with, given the personnel, so, is it, tell me this, Dave, is Henderson due back in a couple of weeks? Because I was no, told he wasn't back for for the season. It, 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 there's there's a fair chance that we don't see him this this year. They're, they're talking that I was he told might, he was out of the Euros and there's yeah, there's talk he might not make there's talk yeah. there's talk he might not make the Euros. And if they're if they're saying he's touch and go for the Euros, you would expect that you'll not see him in a red shirt again this season. No, absolutely so I think, not. I think that that's a big loss. But I think you're right that at this point now. <laughs> we've had the centre half issues all season, but that's been piled on and piled uh, on. But, 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 no, but, but wait, now that's really all the problem that we have. It's the only problem we have. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, you know, Andy talking, uh, you asked Andy about our defence. It was very difficult for us to give an opinion about our defence yesterday because they, did they didn't need to do anything. I think it was just a bit you, of you needle know, from Dave to wind the Quebec thing in, wasn't it, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, look, Quebec didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't outstandingly. Yeah, he was he fine. Anything. He was fine. So was Phillips. I love the cult. I love the whole cult thing around now. Phillips. I'd love to see him sell for thirty million. Fucking love to see it. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Because you think about Michael Edwards and the, the rising stock at the moment. Like you were looking at probably dumping him somewhere. You're gonna get money for him now. Um, you, you know, he's, he's, he's played for that, right? And, and, and fair play to the kid. But, you, you know, you can't... I'm worried, like, I know we'll come, we're, we're going to come to Madrid, but my worry is that Madrid won't be worrying too much about Kabak or, or, or Phillips. No, that, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, think what, I think what I was trying to get at is now, what we have is more so than we've had all season, a functional team. A functional team that everybody knows the roles. Everybody's doing. Everybody's doing their their natural thing in the pitch, and and there's options from the bench. And we've only got one area of the pitch that's compromised. Um, whereas beforehand we had two or three, and then we were compromising another one by trying to plug gaps. And what we have now is we've got a a functional system, uh, more like that machine that we used to see. Um, because yeah, the parts not maybe 
the parts might not be as good as they used to be in some areas, but they're still the right parts. So, you know, I, I've, I have confidence. Um, and we've seen players come back to form as well. Um, John has come back in, Andy. Um, hit the, you know, he's, he's going to be massive for me. And then we saw Trent get, get left out of the, of the England side, um, the England squad for, for the, the international break. And I think we, we talked pre-pod that, you know, his form is starting to come back and it was a strange time to leave him out. But I think what we've, what we've seen and what we've benefited from is, is two things. It's, uh, it's, uh, two weeks off or maybe three weeks with the, with the FA Cup and, Lovely fresh legs and fresh mind and, and also a fuck you, Gareth Southgate attitude, which I think you said pre-pod, we absolutely saw in a celebration from the assist for the first goal. Yeah, I, um, I, listen, I'm not sure how much Trent, also I'll start talk, I'll start with Trent, I'll go on to John. I'm not sure how much Trent, like, is that our about England? If, you know, there's obviously a bit, a bit of a scouse mentality where they're, they're not too bothered about the national team. I'm not sure. Uh, how kind of Trent feels towards it, um, but I personally it's don't. Th- want it would still be a blow to the ego, though, wouldn't it? Oh, massively, massively. But you know, c- compared to maybe if you asked him whether he'd be, he'd rather be left out of the England squad for the Euros or left out of the Liverpool squad for a Champions League final. I think there's only one answer, um, and you know, I think that plays into it. So, what, uh, from that perspective, I'm just thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind him being not selected for the Euros. Um, I don't particularly, I don't like supporting England really. Um, but I have a bit of a quandary when there are some Liverpool players playing. So if Henderson is not making it and he's not selected, that that makes things that makes the summer a lot easier for me in terms of decision making. But yeah, yeah ex- explain this quandary, please. Back back up there a wee bit. You're going to support England? No, I get what he's saying. He's, he's just like you just like to see Liverpool players do well. And I, yeah, I, I would be the same. Like when, like when in 2014, for example, Dave, when uh, Gerard makes a couple of mistakes in the World Cup, like I enjoyed England going out, I enjoyed Hodgson, but I didn't enjoy like everyone kind of just jumping on that, you know. And- you see, you see, when they're in a white shirt, they're not in a red shirt, they're not our players. I know, I know, I know, but I still think it probably does affect them, as 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 Dave says. Like it probably you know, that that had an impact on Gerard because Gerard, Gerard after that season didn't really. Um, didn't really come back to full, um, to plan his full ability after that. He kind of just, he just weaned off after 13, 14. But it's, yeah, I just don't like seeing that. And, you know, England fans are dreadful. They, they hate Liverpool. They hate Scousers. And if there's any way they can, um, if there's any way they can jump on that and jump on mistakes and abuse Liverpool players, they'll, they'll, they'll do absolutely that. So that, it's that, that's the only quandary. <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, as I'm saying, if they're, if they're not there, I know not to support I'll, them, but I'll, I'll let that one slide. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, a, got away with that one. All right. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't particularly want him to go to the Euros. Um, I think, yeah, as you were saying, Dave, especially with our uh, South American contingent, the fact that they weren't away uh, playing internationals, we've had quite a lot of the, um, core squad, um, haven't had two weeks at Melwood basically and that's something Klopp's always talked about especially when he came in and we were in all the cup competitions and we we're in the Europa League that season and he said like I've no time to actually train them and this first pre-season he said was just so um so fantastic for him to to get that done so yeah Trent's performance was brilliant I enjoyed the celebration and I enjoyed the needle of it as well and you know, on the, on the kind of Euro thing, thinking from a purely English perspective, I was saying this in the pre-pod, it's just so typical of the conservatism of England and the emphasis on like physicality and being defensively solid and, um, that you would I think ever- we should thank Gareth Southgate. Thank the man because he wound Trent up and we got a performance out of him. Hopefully we'll see yeah. more of it going forward. But purely thinking about his 
management ability, Dave. Like it's just absolutely scandalous that he hasn't picked him. I heard people d- discussing on like an um on a YouTube channel the other day, who, like you know you if you play France or Germany or something, you don't want Trent starting. It's like I'm sorry, what? Like Trent's performances in the last two three years for us. So you think Barcelona and these iconic games. When, the, 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 when Trent's at his best is in these big games and there's such a myth around him that he can't defend and okay it's because he's such a good attacker and um, you know people jump on that but I think that's wildly overstated too so you know I, I absolutely love him and, and as for Jota he's uh, he, he's kind of like Thomas Muller isn't he like he's not he's not Mo Salah Sadio Mane speed um, in terms of he's going to run in behind he's not like gonna pick it up like Messi and beat three four men but he's always in the right place at the right time and that's what we've been missing we've been missing somebody to be clinical and um, to just be running onto the ball and, and smash it home and and he's, he's just gonna get so many goals for us doing that and I'm not even sure where his best position is I don't know if like if he was playing on on Tuesday night I don't know if I'd play him in the center I think I think it probably I probably do, would do you think it matters but do you think, because I look at him, I've been looking at him and looking at the interviews afterwards and whatnot, and he reminds, there's a, there's a characteristic that reminds me very much of Manny and and, and, Sa- and that's that cold-bloodedness. He has a cold-blooded blooded striker instinct. You know, he 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 thrives off scoring goals. And 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 I think that, that's we've grown into that even more this season, is I think the point that I'm trying to make. But you know that that the way that Salah and Manny talk about scoring goals, it's it's just what they do. And and that's what I hear from him. Yeah, and some sometimes like you you don't really you know you, if Salah and Manny aren't scoring, you always see them involved. They always stick out if they're having like a bad game or there's always something they'll do. Whereas with Jotty kinda just uh you think of what Jota did in the game and it was the goal or the assist and that's all you kind of remember from it. And that's not to say his overall play is bad. It's far from it. But he really is that just quintessential goal scorer. He's got that knack of being in the right place at the right time. I mentioned Thomas Muller, but that's what that's what I'm kind of thinking with Jota. And a player like that's so important. You know, I don't know how many goals he's on. He, sure he, he, well he, he, shares, he shares another thing with Muller, whether it be the national team or, or uh, uh, you know, their club team, they have great players around them. And if you have a player, a, go- a pure on goal scorer with great players around him, he's going to score goals. Yeah. I think, yeah, Andy, what, what, just on your point there, it's a, it's a goal every 91 minutes in Liverpool. Yeah, it's mental. So, like, it's probably only around, like, 10 or 11 goals, is it, in total, because he had the timeout. But he's actually probably scoring at a rate of what pretty much Salah was doing in his first season. And there are definitely parallels to it for me. Like, the... The big goals, the the clinical finishing, everything he hits seems to be going in. I don't remember him having a bad game. So, yeah, so excited for that. And, and like honestly, if you're asking me right now, if I had to pick one of the, those front four that I don't want to get injured for the rest of the season, like it was guaranteed that they wouldn't be injured, it would be Jota. And if you were telling me I had to sell, um, I had to make sure one of the front four were being kept for next season, all the, any of the other ones could go, I would keep Jota as well because I think he brings that freshness which we've just been lacking over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just it's a revelation that we've seen this player just take just take it just walk into Liverpool and just take the next step from from the kind of standard he was playing at before, and it's just such a huge benefit. Um, and there's these things, all of the things that we talked about is is what might drag us over the line on on one and maybe even two fronts this season, Chief. And we'll we'll start with the top four race because, lo and behold, Stamford Bridge turned into 
the big top on on Saturday morning. It was just an absolute circus show. I don't know what was going on. Um, I've heard West Brom be compared to 1970 Brazil, and uh, I watched the fourth goal, and apart from Mason Mount not being able to kick the ball, it's not far away from it, and it, they get a hammering. Um, we're two points off fourth place now. Leicester lose as well. Spurs draw today, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're thinking, like this is on from top four being written off maybe three four matches ago. You're looking at it going, if you look at the run-ins of all those sides, we're probably we're probably ahead of Chelsea in the bookies. I think yesterday will have will have done. I think this weekend will have will have changed our odds massively. Um, I don't know what they are, but I think we were five to two before um, the weekend to finish in the top four. Obviously, there are no odds on City because you know they've they've done it already. Uh, Man City, I think, were one to fifty. Uh, I think Leicester were something like one to one to five, one to six, um, and Chelsea were. I think probably around about even money, but I can't remember. But uh, Liverpool were five to two against, but I'd say that's flipped now. Um, and just in one in the one in the one game week, really. Um, yeah, Chelsea. I caught a bit of the game. I caught a bit of the game. I turned on. They were already one nil up. Uh, they had just scored, in fact, uh, and I got to see the replay of the goal, and it looked fairly standard. Then um, I watched the game for about ten minutes, and West Brom looked. Look pretty poor. Then they managed to get a you get an attack, and I thought, okay. Then they managed to get another attack, and their finishing was awful. But in the second attack, then Thiago Silva chucked himself at uh, at their their player um, who was taking the shot. I think it was I don't know who it was actually. I think it was maybe Robinson, but I'm not sure. I'd have been raging uh, if that red card was given against us. By the way, yeah, I don't know. Like the shot goes away. It's a bad tackle. It's a fucking. It's a yellow. No, no question is it a yellow. You don't often see it whenever the shot's already gone. But he throws himself from miles away. He jumps in the air and he makes contact with the guy and he's already been booked. He's about a week late. So for me, it's, it's the right decision. Your man's a terrible referee. Like, I mean, he is a terrible referee, but for me, it's, it's, it is a yellow card and he's, he has already been booked. But Chelsea just collapsed. Absolutely collapsed. I mean, West Brom. I think that's about half an hour in, and West Brom are then. And, two it's, and it's madness, Chief, because you're talking about it. You're talking about a team that, I, like, I, you hit one hand the number of times they scored more than one goal this season. Oh yeah, they're fucking awful. Versus Although a team they, that are the most have been the most defensively sound in the Premier League over the last two months. Bizarrely, though, isn't this is how mad football is? Bizarrely, the only other time probably West Brom have scored more than two goals in a game this season was against Chelsea. Against Chelsea in the other game, they were three 0 up in that one. See the stat about Callum Robinson? He's only scored five Premier League goals, and they've all come against <laughs> they're Chelsea. All against Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, it's mad like that. Is I mean. The, that is that sort of shows you the the kind of circular nature of football sometimes, and that clubs can actually have buggy teams, and that is a thing. Like even though it's bizarre, um, but yeah, it's, it's the way they collapsed was spectacular, and that fourth goal is it Diania that scores it or yeah, 
yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful goal, but it's so easy. It's unbelievable. There's just so many men over, and it's just bam, bam, bam. It's like, it is like watching Brazil, um, which is a chant we know well. Um, but, but yeah, it was, um, it was a bizarre capitulation and a, and a total capitulation. And for it to finish 5 2 was, was just the icing on the cake, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they have their Champions League game this week, don't they? It's Wednesday. Chelsea, they have the, their Champions yeah. League game this yeah, week. Yeah, they're all this week. All the games are this week, aren't they? Yeah, so it's, you know, they've got something to think about now going into that. And, you know, if they don't get a favourable result in that, all of a sudden their season could be looking, you know, could be going from zero, from, from hero to zero in, in a week. And, uh, and we'd be getting Porto. <laughs> exactly, and we'd be getting Porto. So, um, but whatever happens, it's great because although I think I said I, I could see Chelsea dropping the points for us to for us to get in there, I certainly didn't think they'd be dropping any points at West Brom. Actually, I didn't think they'd be dropping any points until they got sort of sort of to the West Ham. They have a few London derbies in a row. I think they have about three or four London derbies in a row. I thought they might slip up in, in one of them. But uh, to throw it in against West Brom is brilliant. That's just what we needed. Um, Leicester did the same against City. Um, for a while, it looked the like... Spurs. Is, well, there's two things here. See, first of all, there's a six-goal swing. And yeah. With 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 Chelsea and Liverpool now, it's, it's, it's down to one. It's down from seven goals to one goal, which yeah. could end up being huge. And Spurs drawn at Newcastle with a late equaliser. Um, that does us massive favours also. It does, it does. I take it, I take it we're oh, not well, looking at Spurs as, as a threat. I know. Well, at, we the, well at, the minute, at the minute we have to until they're out of it, but you know, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't but be the, having them in the conversation necessarily, but it's just, re, it helps to reinforce the point for, is, for fans and the team that we don't need to necessarily concern ourselves with Spurs. If we can do what we do, we'll get ourselves there. I think, yeah, but to be honest, the way I'm looking was looking at it was because I totally take what Dave said, what both of you saying there. But the way I'm looking at it was Chelsea with the team. Chelsea's the team. You've got to get fourth, so Spurs are immaterial. You've got to go past them. You've got to go past them. You know everyone who who isn't in that top in one of those top four positions. So Chelsea were the team, and for that uh, for that six goal swing and uh, you know three points to be made up in a game that I thought was a gimme for Chelsea, which we all probably thought was a gimme for Chelsea. Um, it's brilliant. I mean, it just opens things right up, right up and puts the, puts it right in our hands. And, um, yeah, Spurs is, is a bonus. I don't know how the United game finished. It was one, one, one. I lost one, two, one. Oh, typical. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I think they've, they've second wrapped up anyway. Um, and, Obviously, Dave, Karen, you were saying in the group earlier about Leicester, and there's a bit of back and forth about that. And it is it is possible that we could could catch Leicester, but I've sort of with Dave Dunning on that one, we don't really need to. We just need that. We just need that fourth spot, and for Chelsea to throw that in is unbelievable. Great. Yeah. So Dave, we're 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 like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the season looks interesting. The season looks like there's there's goals to be achieved here and things to be celebrated at the end of it. And there's just a bit of a feel-good factor around. So, you know, just moving towards 
a bit of Champions League chat. Um, it's Madrid. It's as as Chief had said before. It's it's it really is the glamour tile around. It's what like I don't know. It's uh, seventeen European cups between the two sides. It's European. It's, it's a meeting of European royalty. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Football terms. Yeah. All right. You've, you've you've made that nice and concise for me. So we're looking at a Madrid side that are strangely kind of athletical. We were. They're not. They're not. They're not great to watch. They're very. Uh, workmanlike almost, although they've got a massive amount of talent in there. They're set up in such a way where it's not exactly <laughs> exhilarating football, but they don't concede loads of goals. Um, they don't score loads of goals. Um, they've only got one guy in double figures this season who's Benzema. And there's, I think there's an opportunity here for us because they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not Real Madrid. They're not the far from the best version of themselves. That that tends to be the case, and we get drawn against them, Dave. Apart from that final um, a couple of years back, you know, the last time we played them before that, sure we wiped the floor with them. Um, they were in a similar sort of. They, you know, the, the great transitions of Real Madrid when when the Galacticos are moving and new Galacticos are coming and shit like that. Um, I don't. I haven't been watching them to be honest. I haven't seen them all season. Not, no interest in them whatsoever, so I don't really know what's coming, Dave. Um, but I do know they're not the scary type of Real Madrid that we would normally associate, uh, you know, coming. But and I think Ramos is out as well, which will be a big thing for them. Um, look, I think I think it's a really tight one. You know, it's quarterfinals of the Champions League, fine margins again. Uh, but I honestly think there's a part of me here. I, I'm not going out all out and balls out and saying, you know, we, we, we're going to win the Champions League. But, you know, we, we've we've looked at the permutations there, even even in the last segment that you did about, you know, Chelsea, and it could be a rude awakening for them against Porto. And if there's the wheels, their shaky phase. I think we've had our shaky phase. I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. I, th- I think that the shaky phase is over. I think we've had more than enough of it. And I think there should be enough resolve around that squad. And especially... Uh, it, it, it's the absolute perfect European tie that we could be looking at at this moment in time. We have a fucking score to settle here, and a big score at that. You know what they did to Salah, and it, there, there's no motivation needed. There is no motivation needed for this tie, and coming off the back of, of recent results and, and clean sheets as well. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I do have concerns about the back two, but you see, if we were to get an early goal here on Tuesday, like I, I, I could be over really quick. It really could be over quick. Um, as I say, I, I expect it to probably end up being tight. Um, and, and hopefully we end up playing the, the home tie somewhere else because that seems to benefit us greatly. Um, you know, look, I say I'm not too afraid of it at the minute, but come Tuesday, I'll be shitting it. You know, you, you know, you know the score. You, you know, you know, you know the score and you know how it is. It's, uh, it's always the same for European football, but I think we are in with a great, great chance here. Yeah, and it, it's nice to talk about it a few days before because you can kind of look at it a bit more objectively um, rather than becoming some sort of, you know, incapacitated, nervous wreck um, five minutes before kickoff. Um, we, I think, based on our form and how we, certainly how we played at the weekend, this is 
not the worst time for us to play a side like Real Madrid. It's not the worst side. It's not the worst time for us to go into a big game um, against a big side where there is history and there is a little bit of narkiness lingering in the background, regardless of whether Ramos is plays or not. So, you know, are you confident that we can go there and put in a similar sort of performance? And I think the midfield battle has been talked about with that's there's a massive amount of talent in that midfield. Um, on both sides, you know, you're talking Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, and probably Fabinho, Thiago, and, and Wijnaldum. And you'd, you'd probably say that given how two sides have been playing, um, that's where the battle's going to be won and lost. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just, it's, even though I wouldn't get a ticket anyway, it's gotten that we're playing a Champions League quarterfinal with Real Madrid um, in April, you know. And no supporters in the ground. It just feels like such an amazing occasion, but it'll still be a, it'll still be a great game. I'm still really looking forward to it. And, you know, you mentioned the midfields there of, of Modric and Cruz. Like, remember going into that game, that final in Kiev two years ago, or nearly three years ago now, is it? Um, and like Modric and Cruz were the best midfielders in the world. They, it was, it was very much their selling point of how they were going to win the game. And I think that year, did they finish third in La Liga that year as well? I think they may well have done. And they're third in, league, third in La Liga this year as well. Like Dave, I haven't seen much of them, but to be behind that Barcelona side and then Atletico Madrid, you know, they're all right. They're efficient. They get the job done, but you don't they're really doing, expect they're, they're doing their best to turn it into a title race, actually, where they should have had it wrapped up, but now. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, they're they're always going to kind of plug away. They'll be brilliant in Europe, but they're not the t- a team I expect to win a top five European league over 38 games. So, you know, there are serious questions as to the quality of the Spanish league, but I, I look at it and, you know, you mentioned some of the names. Like, they still do have some incredible players. Benzema is one player who's really, really stepped up for them in the last couple of years. Everyone always kind of had some doubts over him. Um, certainly doubts over him, like, as a, as a fella. But, like, he's, he's really, like, you look at them every week. And obviously, because the, the league isn't on Sky Sports anymore, but it's, um, you just look at the results and 1 2 0, he's always scoring for them. So I'd like to see. Yeah, he's not playing second fiddle anymore, is he? No, and he, you know he probably always has been good enough for that, and this is his time, and he's he's just doing so well. So like he's gonna be a he's gonna be a worry, but I do think we've got enough. It's probably make us you know sixty forty favorites for it. I think it's gonna be a tight game. Neither team, you know, Dave says return a corner, but I thought that after West Ham and Spurs, so I just don't want to count my chickens in that before the hatch. But as we say, you know, we are away. I think we're actually playing at their training ground, which is mad. <laughs> we're not actually playing at the Bernabeu, so. Yeah, that whether that'll play much into it. I mean, you don't have the the kind of history and the aura that the Bernabeu is going to bring into it. So, I mean, how much that affects professional footballers with no fans there, I don't know. But it can't do any harm, put it that way. So, I think we have to go there and we have to look at getting at least an away goal. You know, if we, I think you've mentioned maybe before in the podcast or we've talked about maybe before that nil nil is a very underrated score for a home side in the first leg of a European tie. And, you know, I absolutely think it is. And especially with no supporters in, you know, you find yourself with a mountain to climb with one mistake, one or two mistakes at home. So I think we do have to go there looking to score two goals. I think we're more than capable of that. Uh, if the midfield's playing the way it's playing, I expect Wijnaldum to come back in. Um, but I expect three of the front four to play, hopefully one of which is Jota, and I'm not too bothered about the rest. So, yeah, I think we have to go there looking to score two goals, maybe come away with a 2-1 win. And, you know, even that, with no supporters on the ground, no supporters in Anfield, it doesn't wrap up the tie. 
Um, but it's certainly you can't you can't you can't win the tie. I feel on Tuesday night, but you can certainly lose it. So if we go there, get some goals, and uh, get as close to a clean sheet as we possibly can, um, then I'll be a happy boy. Yeah, um, that that that's all fair. In order to get us to that situation, Chief, the selection I think is a bit. I think we probably know. We, we know what the back four is going to look like. Um, you could probably shout the midfield three, but the front three is another matter. So we've got, if Jota comes in, which let's be honest, on form um, and just over the course of the season, the influence he's had on the side, you would expect you'd be very, very shocked if he wasn't in the side. Which one of the front three drop out? And... There's also the shout that does he just go four two three one? So what do you think? <clears throat> well, he's got options, obviously, <laughs> as you've just sort of uh, outlined there. Um, it seems logical that Jada would start. Two reasons, obviously, his form, um, but also he doesn't start the game at the weekend. Which we've just talked about it doesn't start again against Arsenal. He just has a half an hour, so um, you'd imagine that was, you know, obviously connected with the internationals, but also with the mind to probably playing him um, on on Tuesday night. He could play all four, um, four two three one, four two four, you know, whatever permutations there there sort of are there. Um, and he did look to do that earlier in the season when he could. He, he tried to get the four of them on the pitch when when they were all fit. I don't know though. I I can't say I was a massive fan of that because I always liked the idea of you've got you've got something off the bench, you've got a cheap game changer on the bench, whichever one of them it is. Now there are different and there are different schools of thought as to substitutes and whether. There are players who are more cut out to be substitutes or, or uh, can function better than others in a substitute role, for example. Um, it's often been said that Bobby's not very good when he comes off the bench. Uh, John has proven that he's absolutely class when he's off the bench. I mean, he, he scores goals for fun when he comes off the bench. He proved it against Arsenal again, but he's done that before this season. He's come off the bench and just changed the game and, and scored goals, scored winners. So it's nice to have that. Uh, nice to have him there as an option. I can certainly can't see him not starting Salah. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean it's an interesting one. On on, I, I would I'm, knowing Jurgen Klopp and what he's tried to do this season, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for the four. Um, if it were me and I were leaving one out, just just sort of. Just sort of based on his quality coming off the bench, I might, and, and the fact that he is the fourth one, the last in, so to speak, I'd be tempted to to have Jota as the option on the bench. <laughs> last in, first out. Yeah, almost <laughs> in that in in that sense. Um, I just I don't on form. I would actually be dropping Mane. Right. So on form. Yeah. So, that's an interesting one. So Dave, I'm going to throw this question to you that. I think, Chief, you're 100% right. I think if you're looking on form, um, you probably would look to Mane because he just seems just out. 
not even like forms one thing, but he just looks a bit out of sorts at the minute. Um, he has done for a while, yeah. He has done for a while, but this is the thing, Dave. I think regardless of how, regardless of what Manny's form is like, I think what he gives you, which is massively underrated in this game, is you can pump a long ball up to him, and he can just do this DDA Dogbo impression where he backs into the centre half, takes it on his chest, rolls him, holds it, gives it, and he gets you up the pitch 50 yards whenever you're maybe struggling a little bit, and you can build from there. And that is, that's a massive part of the game, you know? Um, what you're forgetting is tracking back there and fucking like a terrier, Dave, as well. No, He's very uh, good at that. No, yeah, 100%. But you know, I think Jordan does give you that as well. You know, I think, but I think that is the that's the one Manny has that skill, that one skill that, that none of the other front three I feel have. No way to that level. So, I, I would agree with Chief, yeah, if you're thinking like logically, who do you leave out for form? Manny. Probably. You know, he gets an assist at the weekend because his touch is awful. And that was kind of the the theory of the, the thesis of the game. And we've seen that for the last number of months. So what would you do? Do you just go with the four and just go, fuck it, let's, let's go nuts? Or do you play the three to give the back two that protection? And do you do you leave Mane out and bring him from the bench? Or do you do, do the Solskjaer act that Chief's talking about? It all sounds a bit complicated for Jurgen Klopp out there, doesn't it? He's he's, he's a creature he's of decisions. He's got decisions to make, doesn't he? And you, do you know what? Good point. He's a creature of habit, so I know what's coming. He's next. a fucking. And this this is a big game. You know, it's like your Brexit midfield, Dave. Back in the day, that we used to laugh about in this pod. This is a big yep. game. It's it's, I, it's a it's a Milner it, Henderson. When Alden made yeah, yeah. the game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And he's a he is a creature of habit. I love him for that in some ways. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I just see the front three will be Bobby Manny and, uh, and Mo. And and as was said before, he's great coming off the bench. Chata is is guaranteed goals off the bench. And you can you know he could even bring him on earlier if you needed to. God, go nuts if one of them's not not great. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing about Manny. And it's like our forum, Dave. It, it's class is permanent, you know. What I mean, this form that he's in, and he's taken a lot of pelters, and you know, there are still great qualities in that player, even though he's not finishing great at the minute. You, you've highlighted some great qualities in him, and and the one thing about it, I would imagine every opposition is shitting themselves. It could be us that he fucking scores a hat trick against because it's coming, and you, you know yourself when it, when when the players are on a goal right, they only need one to start rolling. And I, I think the next time Manny scores, he'll, he'll score another one. Um, and, and as I say, I, I consider this temporary. I do consider this a temporary blip. This whole season's a bizarre anomaly. Like, let's be honest. Uh, and Sadio Manny's form is just another one of those bizarre anomalies. But it can't last because he's too good, Dave. And that's, uh, for me, it's, he goes 4 3 3. And it's the usual suspects. Yeah, it's really hard to disagree. Um, and he, you know, Klopp is a pragmatist at heart, and the likelihood is that that he does do that. Um, the the man a the man the man quandary is is what it is. But he's been like this all season, and he keeps getting played. And you know the additional qualities that he brings. So do you agree with Dave? Is it is it just the, the back four, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, 
Thiago and and the front three as we know we've known and loved over the last few years. Uh, no, I bring Jota in for Firmino. I play Manny oh. Manny Jota for uh, Manny Jota Yeah, I would. I think uh, he's he's too good to be to be leaving out in this situation. Bear in mind how we've been at home uh, over the last. You know, we, we've we've had some great results over the last couple of weeks. Wolves and Arsenal, but they've all been away from home. You know what I mean? We still are on this absolute rut at home, and I don't want to go into tomorrow night sort of thinking we'll get them back to Anfield because we'll get them back to Anfield isn't a thing right now with no fans in and with our record so I feel like we really well, have if to we can get them back to Budapest that's a different story <laughs> well that is true that is true um, but yeah I don't know I, I feel like for the very little I know about the kind of the restrictions and stuff um, there, there's been no news in that sir about whether it be uh, no not yet not yet I, I didn't no so yeah. you're a bit you're a bit further on more people are vaccinated you think there's more of a chance that it could be played at Anfield but who knows I mean is that going to be that will be on the 12th isn't it which is the night pubs reopen I think um, it'll, be, it'll be the Wednesday so oh sorry we're recording on the Sunday yeah so so yeah pubs will be well open by then in terms of the outdoor thing so you know you're in a situation where England's starting to open up a lot more so whether the Spanish restrictions uh, would force Real Madrid to quarantine that might play into it I don't know but um, ultimately it's a game where it, you can't really talk about it in terms of uh, of like a normal European night with no supporters in because it's basically they're playing in a robotic environment twice, and in one game, your 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 goals count for more. Uh, it's this game on Tuesday night, and we have to go for this. And I think to leave this guy who is a pure goal scorer, who is going to be in the right place at the right time, who's going to get chances and he's going to take them, to leave him on the bench for this game where goals are, as I say, are worth more, would just be madness. So I think he has to play, whether he plays all four. It's hard to guess. You're right, Klopp is the, the ultimate pragmatist, but he plays for all four of them away to Man City. That's the first time we see all four of them. So, you know, whether that's something, um, it, it, put it this way, it doesn't seem to be something he just does in, like, home games against weaker sides. I think he's more than happy to go for it. And he, he'll probably trust Fabinho and Thiago to uh, to be the two in midfield. I think it's Henderson and Alden play away to City, and they're fantastic, and they have to be fantastic. Um, but I think he can trust Thiago and Fabinho to do the same job. So one way or another, I think Jota definitely starts on Tuesday night. Um, and then at the weekend, you'll see probably a, a much changed side. But you know, right now, I'm looking at this this Real Madrid game, and I'm, you know, it, it, it is going to open up for us if we can get something from this. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility Madrid could knock us out, but if they don't and we do get into some sort of form, uh, you know, I wouldn't bet against us getting into the European Cup final again. We seem to have found a system which protects Quebec and Phillips without compromising what happens going the other way. We've got a guy back in form who's just on the absolute crest of a wave and has been all season. Um, and I'm, yeah, no, I am actually confident and I think we're going to win 2-1. Okay, going to win 2-1. Happy days. Well, on that note then, of a, a podcast of optimism to finish on a note of optimism, um, thanks for joining me, lads. Thanks to anybody who listened. And until after Real Madrid versus Liverpool, up the Nat Phillips goal-scoring winning header in the Champions League final Reds. 